The college football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. Crest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yeah. to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. Fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Crest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at ten, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter. Punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Hey, yo, it's Jace, Joe, and Jared back at you with another throwing jabs. And we have a jam pack. A lot of UFC going on this this week. I mean, not a lot of boxing. We've got a fight to preview. Big middleweight main event coming up tonight. But let's start off recapping what happened last week. And Dillashaw versus Sandhagen. Dillashaw edges it out in the split decision. Uh, a lot of people saying Cody Sandhagen was robbed. I, I don't really see it. I, I I gave Cody, I mean Corey, those two rounds in the second and the fourth. He outstruck Dillashaw, but everything else, Dillashaw had that takedown in the first. But in the third and fifth round, Sandhagen was just on his back foot. He was reacting to everything Dillashaw had. Dillashaw was the aggressor coming forward. Every shot Dillashaw hit him with, Sandhagen countered, and they were just going punch for punch in the third and fifth. But the reason I, I'm giving it to Dillashaw was because he was the aggressor. He was the one hitting that first punch. So I don't necessarily think there th- this is necessarily a robbery. Uh, I'm okay with the draw because of how maybe you could have given the third and fifth rounds as a draw. I'm not mad at that. But to say Sandhagen was robbed, I, I don't think that's necessarily right. Joe, did the judges get it right? Did Dillashaw win, or did you have Sandhagen win it? Uh, no, Sandhagen won the fight, but I, I do agree with you as far as, you know, look, it was close, 48-47. Either of these scores could have gone either way. Uh, it's unfortunate 
for Sanhagen because this hurts. But I'll say this. If you watch the whole fight card, these judges consistently got it wrong all afternoon. Oh, all afternoon. Uh, uh, Miranda Maverick, I think, if anybody has a complaint, uh, she brutalized Macy Barber for three rounds. That was that was a robbery, uh, and there there were a couple other ones that that were really bad. So they were consistently, and and I, listen, if if your team Sanhagen, you kind of already knew that, and so for me, Sanhagen should have came out there and he should have finished Dillashaw. He should have he should have just kept busting that cut until his face fell off, and and he didn't do it, and he came up on the short end. I don't know that this hurts Sanhagen at all, though. Going forward, I don't think this hurts him. I agree with you about targeting. Uh, Sanhagen could have done more to target the things that were working. He like went into this flow that was not that. But honestly, honestly, like the fight isn't what I want to talk about. Good fight could have gone either way. No, I don't think it was a robbery. I got to the end. Unlike the Castano fight with Charlo, where I was like. If this doesn't go his way, he got robbed, and a draw, you're kind of stretching it. This was, like, close enough to go either way. Could have been a draw. The problem I have is, you know, I don't swear a lot on this show, but I got to say, fuck you, TJ Dillashaw. I have to. From the bottom of my heart, fuck you, TJ Dillashaw. He's that good? He's that good off the drugs? Like, what about the rest of us? This is you at 34 years old fighting the number two guy in the weight class. This is what you're capable of, and you cheated? What about the people who top of the line is is Bellator or CES or all of these guys that are really struggling and fighting it to do it right and not cheating and are never going to have the natural born-in talent that you have and athletic ability? You can keep up at 34 years old with Sanhagen off the drugs. Fuck you, TJ Dillashaw. I don't, I don't, I'm not really the fight. Literally the last thing I want to talk about, because all last week I said, this guy, you don't come back 34 years old and bounce back off of drugs and all of that stuff and expected to see much less of of a fighter in there, a shadow of his self. And that's not what I saw. I saw somebody that at 34 years old can compete at the top of the game who missed a year because he cheated. Damn, dude. Well, I I mean, when when he did get popped, he was going down to flyweight. So I I understand the need to cheat there. But still, at bantamweight, he's never still... a need to cheat. No, I, no, I, I understand not, not the need, need to, cheat, to cheat. But I oh understand. <laughs> I understand the circumstances. But at bantamweight, he is still a contender. He is still a title contender. He's still one of the best bantamweights in the world. And if this was him with ring rust, uh, Jared, is he still a, a bantamweight title contender? Do you want to see yes. him against Jan? Do you want to see him? I don't want to ever see him fight again. I think he's a boring fighter. I've always thought he was a boring fighter. I don't think he's somebody that can like hold the belt for four or five fights, which is what you get from your real solid champions. I've never seen that from him. The issue I have here is you're right at that upper echelon, right on the edge and and cheating. It doesn't seem fair to the other people who can never get there, who don't cheat and don't get there. It doesn't seem fair. 
I'm going to say. If you're going to have a problem with the Paul brothers getting where they are when they lack talent, then you have to have a problem with this. I don't like it. I don't like cheaters. I don't understand it. I can't understand why anybody would do that. But he had paid his dues, and he did have to come into this fight off of the drugs. I got to give him a little bit of credit. You're right. He's a boring fighter, and he always has been. I, I wasn't a big fan of his before. But I will tell you what I what I did like and what I have liked about Dillashaw is, you know, people hate to admit when they're wrong. And uh, I love Mike Tyson to death, but watch any reporter that interviews Mike Tyson. As soon as you ask him about rape or Robin Givens, the the tone changes. Have you ever been fucked in the ass by a man before? Because if you keep asking these stupid questions. (laughs) That's what happens really quick in those interviews. So I got to say, look, credit to Dillashaw because every idiot reporter and Ariel Hawani probably six times over has asked this guy about cheating. And I have to tell you, he has manned up every time. Mm. He's owned it. He's apologized for it. And you know what I mean? I don't know. It, in a it, manner that tough. you rarely see. In a manner that's Correct. very rare to see. Yes, I did that. When 95 to 99% of these are, I did that. I was trying to get ahead. I knew exactly what was going on. You know, and then you hear all the other stuff and that those are they're all, all the excuses. Yes, from that perspective, he should be credited for taking responsibility. That said, I did want to see him get destroyed out there uh, <laughs> as punishment. I thought, wow, this is great. They make him come back and fight Corey Sanhagen. That'll teach him a lesson, you know? Yeah, that's like yeah, suspending. That's, exactly that's like problem. suspending the bully of the freshman class and then telling him to go wait outside with the the, the, the senior class bully. You know what I mean? I thought like that was all. And and look, early on, I mean, he certainly walked his his face looked awful after the fight. Oh yeah. Uh blood streaming down his face the entire yeah. fight just made it even harder for him. Uh popped his knee in the first. So again, dude, Sanhagen had every chance to blow him out and win this fight and it, I think it you got to say credit a little bit to Dillashaw for the guy had a lot to prove. And uh, it would have been embarrassing had he gone out in the first minute like Frankie Edgar um, or some of these other guys. But he took everything Sanhagen had. And uh, again, not a Dillashaw fan. Never was before I knew he was a cheater. I got to tip my cap to what I saw this whole entire week from him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I respect that. But from from a podcasting standpoint... From a member of the media standpoint, bravo, T.J. Dillashaw. As an athlete, fuck you, T.J. Dillashaw. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I, I, I was asked once about a positive test and how it might happen and wrote a little list here. Nobody told me. I bought it over the counter. My nutritionist gave it to me. I didn't know. This is just the man trying to hold me down. My wife accidentally put it in my vitamins. My opponent laced my lunch. What's an anabolic steroid? Did I pronounce that right? (laughs) And that's the stuff you get most of the time when somebody gets caught cheating. They're cheating. They knew what they were doing. They get caught. And 90, 95% of the time, 
You know, can name another one besides TJ Dillashaw that came out as, yeah, you got me. I cheated. I was trying to get ahead. Chael, Chael did that. Fair. Fair. But I mean, oh. Canelo blamed tacos for <laughs> missing the fight with the, the original fight with Triple G. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I do think when you come out and you, you admit your wrongdoing and, and you do. It was his Wait, now I really got to know what was the ingredient in the tacos that <laughs> No. <laughs> or did somebody put a somebody slipped a supplement into his tacos? tacos. That, that's tacos. what he said. That, not... <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who who is going out here trying to get fighters to fail tests and the guy's plan is wait to hear this plan it's genius. <laughs> When he orders his Shane, tacos, it's genius, Shane. <laughs> what? Who, dude? I mean, could, who? Who was? I know that somebody. That is insane. I'm not gonna name any names. I don't wanna. I don't wanna put anybody out there. But I do know somebody who's failed a breathalyzer test at like one o'clock on a Tuesday at work. And there was a potluck that day. A couple other people brought some dishes in. Must have been that. <laughs> oh, Somebody else put it in my lunch. Yeah. That's where Deontay Wilder went wrong. When he said his own guy <laughs> spiked the water. Dude, come on. I had a big lunch. There was a bunch of people around. I was rolling up uh, Mungats, and I, I don't know what happened. The taco oh. bandit. He's going to come out like anonymous, you know, just somebody slipping tacos. Frank Mir said it was a uh, kangaroo meat when he was fighting in Australia. Like, so some of the excuses get ridiculous, but when you, I, I think this is like the Maury show where the girl's cheating because she's possessed by demons, and the guy's like, "Yeah, we're really trying to work out those <laughs> yeah. those, those penis sucking demons she has are off the wall these days." Like, yeah. oh, I'm like oh, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> but when I'm not I, buying it. I mean, when everyone has an excuse, for guys like T.J. Dillashaw, Chael Sonnet, when they come out and they say, "Yeah, I did it," I mean, it does give me a little bit more respect for them to admit their wrongdoings rather than say there was taco meat or kangaroo meat that, that got it all wrong. But uh, sticking with this division, I, I think the bantamweights, I think with the addition of TJ Dillashaw, you have Aljo and Peter Yan at the top. I, I honestly think the bantamweights is the best division in the UFC. You look at their top 10. I mean, you still got guys like, uh, Frankie Edgar, Dominic Cruz, these old guys, and you got the young guys like at the top with Peter Yan, Aljermaine Sterling, Rob Font. You still got Jose Aldo in there, Marlon Marais. This division, I think, is the best from one to ten. I, I think those are all great fights. For a long while, it was the lightweight division because you had that big three heads with Khabib, Tony Ferguson, and Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson, they're falling off. Khabib is retired. Is the lightweight still the best division in the UFC, Joe? Or I said bantamweight. Is there another division? Uh, yeah. So uh, for me, honestly, I think uh, the heavyweight division is back and as good as it's ever been. And uh, I know a lot of people because Izzy's dominated it. But to me, though, the middleweights, the, the, there's still so many guys I would love to see go at it. And 
you know, I think uh, obviously a few guys are going to get a second crack at Adesanya to take that. But I mean, Adesanya is that good. I don't know that these guys are that bad. I don't know that that's the situation. Uh, but but to me, I I'm I think I'm most excited right now, honestly, about the heavyweight division. Well, being most excited about it and having it be the best division is uh, is two different things. Had you asked me that, I would have plainly said yes. Lightweight is still the best division in the UFC. Um, honorable mention, when you say Adesanya is that good and it's not necessarily everybody else being that bad, honorable mention to women's bantamweight. This is this is a, a, a fairly stacked division with you. have Tate came back, uh, Pena can fight, Lad can fight, Holly Holm, Randamine. Noons is just that good. It's not necessarily that the rest of that batch is that bad as that there's some separation there because she's that good. But yeah, this is this is lightweight. The UFC lightweight division. There's not a there's not a better division out there. That's that's the one, dude. Olivero, Poirier, Gagey, Darius, Chandler, Makachev, Makachev, Ferguson, Dos Anjos, Hooker, McGregor, Gillespie. This is the best division in the I also really love the featherweight division. I, I think that's a really good one. Uh, oh, yeah. Obvious, right? I mean, that, that top five of Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway, Brian Ortega, Korean Zombie, and Calvin Qatar. That's a pretty solid five. Uh, your boy Ige is six. Edson Barboza is seven. I mm. mean, it's uh, that's a pretty solid division uh, in, in and of itself. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with anything because the UFC is just popping. I, I just, I mean, lightweight, like, it's. Just, I feel like just the top guys have fallen off and there aren't really that many. Like, I, I do think Charles Oliveira and Poirier dominate that. Gaethje, where has he been? Uh, I think the one division that's been staying constant, staying relevant, between everyone from 15 to one has been bantamweights. And I think that is the best product we're getting in the UFC. But that, that's just my opinion. I mean, regardless, all these weight classes are really, really good. Some have more potential than others. Like there's a lot of potential middleweight, like you were talking, Joe, but it seems like we're going to get some other goes around for uh, Adesanya. So we'll see. But I mean, the UFC is popping. But uh, we are going to take a quick break, and after this, we'll get into tonight's fights. If the Seattle management isn't giving you their time of day, what makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Sometimes they're blowing teams out by 10. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter, send it to him, and say, Bron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that. Oh, we're missing Jared. But uh, good thing we got the tail of the tape for tonight's fight. We have an exciting battle of two striking middleweights on Saturday night at UFC Vegas 33. Hall versus Strickland. Let's break it down. Sean Strickland is 30 years old. He's six foot one with a 76 inch reach and a record of 23 and three with 10 knockouts and four submissions. From Corona, California, Strickland took up martial arts at the age of 14 in order to spend time away from his abusive household. 
He turned pro in 2008 at the age of 16 in the King of the Cage promotion with a second-round rear naked choke submission. In 2014, after going 13-0 with 10 stoppages, he made his UFC debut scoring a submission over Bubba McDaniel. The following year, he suffered his first loss via a unanimous decision, but quickly bounced back with three straight wins, including a third-round knockout of Alex Garcia and a split decision over Tom Breeze before dropping another decision, this time, though, to future welterweight kingpin Kamara Usman. After a brutal back-and-forth fight with Court McGee that was originally ruled a draw until a calculating error was discovered, giving Strickland the decision, he was knocked out in one round by a vicious spinning wheel kick by Elizu Dos Santos in May of 2018. He finished out the year with a second-round TKO over Nordin Talib, but was then involved in a devastating motor vehicle accident which resulted in reconstructive knee surgery, followed by a two-year layoff to recuperate. He made his return in October of 2020 with a unanimous decision over Jack Marshman and followed that up with a savage beatdown of Brendan Allen, dropping him with a hard right cross followed by a left hook, which rendered him defenseless. In his most recent fight, he defeated Poland's Krzysztof Jotko by a dominant unanimous decision. A well-rounded technical striker, Tarzan has good head movement and fights behind a solid jab, which he uses to set up his offense, landing at a very high rate of 5.14 strikes per minute. Uriah Hall is 36 years old. He's 6 feet tall with a 79.5-inch reach and a record of 17-9 with 13 knockouts. From Queens, New York, by way of Jamaica, Hall took up karate at the age of 13 due to constantly being bullied while he was in school. He attained the rank of second-degree black belt under Tiger Shulman. He turned pro in 2005 with a first-round knockout and won his first four fights all by stoppage before suffering his first loss, a first-round knockout by future champion Chris Weidman. After dropping a decision in his next match, he won three in a row before being selected for the 17th season of The Ultimate Fighter, where he won a perfect 4-0 with three knockouts for Team Sonnen before losing in the finale via split decision to Kevin Gastelum. Four months later, he dropped another split decision, this time to John Howard, and came close to losing his contract with the UFC until he blew out Chris Lieben later that year and followed that up with a unanimous decision over Thiago Santos. After losing another split decision, this time to Rafael Natal, he knocked out Jagard Musasi, stunning him with a spinning kick, a flying knee, and ground and pound before going on a three-fight skid, dropping a decision to Robert Whitaker, and then suffering back-to-back -back knockout losses to Derek Brunson and to Musasi. On July 7, 2018, he was knocked out in two rounds by Paulo Costa, but bounced back six months later, knocking out newcomer Bevon Lewis with a perfectly timed counter-right hook. The following year, he returned to defeat Antonio Carlos Jr. and after a year of fight cancellations, faced the past-his-prime all-time great Anderson Silva, defeating the ex-fated champion via TKO in round four. On April 24, 2021, Hall faced former champion Chris Weidman in a rematch of their first fight from 11 years ago, but just 17 seconds into the fight, Hall checked a kick from Weidman, fracturing his tibia and fibula and making him the first fighter in UFC history to win a fight without throwing a single strike. 
A highly polished counter-striker, Primetime has explosive power with both his punches and kicks and is extremely accurate, landing at a 55% accuracy rate. But he can be tentative at times and has suffered from inconsistency his entire UFC career. Will Strickland's high-volume brawling style overwhelm Hall? Or can Primetime overcome his younger opponent with his creative and powerful counters? Tune in Saturday night for this highly anticipated matchup. Hall versus Strickland. Middleweights in the main event, Joe. You gave us that breakdown, but who you got coming out victorious tonight? Listen, Uriah Hall is a human highlight reel, but the one problem this guy's always had is being consistent. He tends to lose fights where he should win them. Sean Strickland should be a guy he can beat, but let me tell you, this guy's no joke. Uh, Sean Strickland is a really powerful dude. He's on a four-fight win streak. I think he pulls this thing out. I think he's going to beat Hall, and I think it goes the distance. I think this is going to be uh, a 3-2 fight. It's going to be uh, an absolute beatdown. It's going to be a great fight. I, I think it's going to be a really great fight. But I think, again, dude, Hall is like, I mean, he's 36. This, that is the essence of gatekeeper, right? I mean, he's he's not getting a shot at the title. Um, can that be, can that be a, a perfume or a cologne or something? Essence of gatekeeper? <laughs> the essence of gatekeeper. It smells so like Sean terrific. Porter. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, this is a winnable fight for Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland needs a win like this. Um, if he if he ever wants to make his move, I think it's and I think you all agree it's a little too late for Hall to make his his run at the top. His, his days passed, but uh, Strickland's got a winnable fight here against a, a pretty big name. Uh, it ain't going to be easy, but I, I am going to take Strickland for the win. Hmm. Which I know, Jace, is different than what I told you about 35 minutes ago. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to Uriah Hall here because, I mean, I I just really want to see Uriah Hall somehow get the title shot against Adesanya because I feel like that would just be a fun fight. That'd be like the... Anderson Silva Adesanya fight where it wasn't really like a UFC fight. It was more like a Kung Fu movie. It was, they had like Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris. Five. I want that type of fight for Uriah Hall and Adesanya. So I'm going to go Hall to get it done. Also Strickland, he, he has shown, he has been really good here at middleweight, but I think he is, his frame at least wise is more of a welterweight. I, I think Uriah Hall is more naturally a middleweight, and I think to get in and land something on Uriah Hall is going to be tough. So I got Uriah Hall. Jared, break the tie. Who you got? Um, I'm taking Hall, but I want to preface that with I'm not betting on this fight. I wouldn't suggest anybody bet on this fight. If there has been three fights on this podcast where I didn't want to pick either guy, this was one of them. And it's based on all the things Joe said in the first half of his uh, live analysis right here, and not the video. Um, his inconsistency. He beats guys he's not supposed to beat. He loses the guys he's not supposed to lose to. He's done it his whole career. Do I think he's probably going to win? Yeah. Do I give him the edge? Yeah. Have I felt like that and watched him lose several times? Absolutely. Wildly inconsistent. Highlight reel. 
And I'm with Jace. I hope this guy wins every time he fights because I want to see bigger fights for him and more exciting stuff. Whereas just like you were saying about TJ Dillashaw in the last in the last roundup, I don't want him to win because I don't want to see him again. The sooner you get to like the non-TV part, <laughs> the better, you know, whereas Uriah Hall, man, he could fight Mike Tyson for Trilla tomorrow I'm watching. I will point out uh, Sean Strickland is actually undefeated as a middleweight in his career. All of his losses were uh, at other weight classes. So just like, something to think about. I know you don't like. I know you don't like, like his three. build as a middleweight, but he, he does. He's had like three middleweight fights. He's in the four. UFC. Okay, four. Good. It's four and zero as a middleweight. Uh, Listen, I I, 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 I'm, I'm simply putting that out there. I, I was reading, I was reading a lot about this fight. I came across that number last night, and I thought, ooh, really? Because listen, we talk about how uh, styles make fights. You also need to be in the right weight class. I mean, Hudson, sometimes Dana, true. sometimes it takes Dana White to be like, you're never allowed to be in this division again, fatty. That happens sometimes, but sometimes guys naturally figure out. Hey, you know, it's not working at 155. Let me and and they move up or they move down. Strickland uh has moved into middleweight and I think has settled in rather nicely here. So again, I love Uriah Hall. I and and you guys are probably right. He'll probably do something super cool and knock Strickland out. Oh, you're wrong, Joe. But you know. Joe, you're wrong. Brandon Allen was a catchweight at 195, so three and out middleweight. All right, three and L then. My bad. <laughs> um, but but, but he's still three and L. That doesn't. I don't know that that takes away fair from point. My point. Guys, trade change weight classes. Different things happen. If Ward comes up to fight Chad Dawson, he loses that fight. I still think that that can make a difference. So uh, interesting. That's interesting. Well, I mean, someone who doesn't know how to be at the top, whether it is welterweight or middleweight, going up against someone. In his fourth career fight at middleweight, going up against someone who's faced Anderson Silva, Weidman, Costa, all, all these great names at middleweight. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go hard to get it done. Yeah, I'll take all. I mean, Silva was like 100 years old. Weidman That's broke still his on leg. The resume. That's still on the resume. They're on the resume, but so I mean, lost. come on, dude. He's still been in the top. He's still been in that that. If I bring up Rocky Marciano, are you going to make the same argument, Joel? Am I going to make the same argument? About Marciano and uh, Lewis? It was like 100 Uh, years old when they fought. Well, that's just how it happened to be. I mean, it wasn't like he was ducking him and dodging him for years. That's just happened to be when Marciano showed up. He was already a million years old. And he felt bad about that. So Hall and Silva. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely, but but I mean, I'm just not for nothing. On that he'll defend one, but not really. No, uh, Hall Hall isn't really that much younger, and wasn't even at the True. time when he fought Anderson Silva. True. So again, and, and look, it, it's not to take anything away from Uriah Hall, but let's be honest: does anybody think he would have beaten Anderson Silva two years earlier? Because I know you guys don't think that at all. No, no. So. No, don't and, lump and me I would, <laughs> I would contend that that Rocky Marciano would have beaten Frazier e- even uh, two years, three years earlier. That's a very, very good argument, Joe. I respect that. Thank you. 
While while Hall would have lost that fight if they were both in their prime, you could argue that Marciano still would have won that fight even if they were yeah. both in their prime. So yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Circle gets a square. All right, Jared. It's like eighty-four to six. <laughs> uh, all right, so that that was a big fight this weekend. Now, Jared, your puncher's chance. Tell the puncher's you. chance this week, man. Unless this is a shot fighter, when I saw this fight, I was like, "Ooh, that's gonna be a good fight." But Yildirim is going to beat Cullen, and I thought it was fairly obvious. He's coming from a bigger weight class. He's the naturally bigger guy. BoxRec has them ranked in the same division. Jack Cullen at uh, 65, and Avni Yildirim at 20. The number 20-ranked fighter is facing the number 65-ranked fighter, and the 65-ranked fighter is favored. I have no idea why. I'm picking Yaldarim. Had a bad week last week. If you're feeling funny, whatever it is you're down, put it on Yaldarim and we're going to break even this week. I don't see, unless he fought Canelo in his last fight, got knocked out in three rounds, Yaldarim. And I think that's it. This guy's lost three fights. Chris Eubank, Anthony Durrell, and Canelo Alvarez. None of the, the Jack Cullen does not belong on that list and will not end up on that list. He's a good fighter and this is a sol- this is a solid fight, but I have no idea why Alderim is the underdog and I will come back here and uh and eat my words next week if he loses, but I cannot find a reason besides losing two in a row to believe that Colin is better than Alderim. All right. I like it. I like it a lot, Jared. But is that going to be the same? Is that fight the same as your fight of the yeah, night? Yeah, good segue, Jace, my man. Fight of the night, Jack Cullen loses to Avni Elderham. All right. Joe? Um, yeah, my fight of the night's not even going to be uh, happening in the UFC. It's uh, definitely going to be uh, Pitbull versus McKee at Bellator 263. That is the best fight of the weekend. And I got to be honest. In clawing through this card for UFC Fight Night Strickland versus Hall, I love it. I don't know that I'm going to commit most of my day to watching these fights like I do every Saturday. I love any of the fights on here, really, um, at all. This is a weak card. It's an extremely weak card. Yeah, this is a uh, watch it, uh, like go back on ESPN+. Plus. Midway through my week next week to rewatch it. I, I'm gonna be watching <laughs> McKee Pitbull live because because that's gonna be a fun fight and that is the the fight of the night. That's the fight of the weekend. It, it, that's just gonna be great. I'm excited for that. And yeah, UFC's let me down, but we got a pay per view next week, so I'm excited for that with heavyweights Gone and Lewis headlining. Ooh. I'm excited, but that's next week and this week, Jared. End the show like you do and hit us with that flurry. Uh, this week, this week's flurry, I wrote a poem called Bags of Hammers that we're going to play in just a little bit here. Um, but basically, it came to me like I'm looking at these Olympian boxers. Have you watched any of the Olympic boxing guys? It's the only thing about the Olympics that I care about. <laughs> the rest of it's garbage. 
This is why we're boys, Joe. This is why we're fam. Um, (laughs) So I'm watching some of these people and realizing, like, these aren't long-term professional fighters. There's one guy out there, three wins, nine losses, never fought anybody of consequence, never fought outside his country, just representing his country at the Olympics. Right? And he wins a fight. I was shocked, but I'm like, the guy won. You know, and it occurred to me, what kind of person walks over to that guy with the gold medal around his neck and looks down at the silver medalist and goes, well, that's no Mike Tyson. What kind of person? Now I want you to imagine that that gold medalist is the child and the person going, that's no Mike Tyson is the parent. What kind of person? But didn't all of our parents walk uphill in the snow both ways to school every day? (laughs) And when we bought them troubles and struggles in our life, didn't they go, well, that's no Mike Tyson. I don't do that to my kids. And this is called Bags of Hammers. Go ahead, run it, Chase. Thank you, guys. Sometimes I want to tell my 14-year-old daughter to toughen up. Grow some skin. Pull herself up by the bootstraps. Stiffen her upper lip. She comes to me with her bag full of hammers. And sometimes I want to tell her, your bag isn't big enough or... Look how small those hammers are. When I was your age, I was in a juvenile detention center. And when my father was your age, he was illiterate and picking cotton on a farm. So buck up and stop sweating the small stuff. Sometimes I want to tell her she should consider how good she has it. Because it's so much better than we did. But I won't. Ever. I won't hold her responsible for suffering she didn't endure. I won't punish her for our progress. Minimizing her hammers leaves her two choices. Don't share her hammers with me or get bigger hammers. I can appreciate that she stumbles and sometimes even falls without putting her life in danger. Because if I know anything about parents and children, she would if that's what it took to get my attention. We want the world to provide a better experience for them than it did for us. Isn't that why we sifted through all of these hammers in the first place? I haven't been to prison since she was born. My father went back to school in his 30s and learned to read and write so that someday his son could have a 14-year-old daughter that took reading and writing for granted because it came easy to her. I will not disrespect and devalue that progress by looking into her full bag and pointing to hammers that aren't there. Of course she doesn't know what it's like to be a 43-year-old man. Any more than I know what it's like to be a 14-year-old girl. So I listen. I try to understand. I help when I can. Because if she isn't comfortable sharing her hammers, they will always be as heavy for her as they are now. Which is to say, as heavy as mine are for me. I wish that rhymed more. (laughs) (laughs) 
and Joe with something to say. <laughs> you know, he sent that to me a couple of days ago, and I read it. And honestly, that was my thought. It's like, I, it doesn't rhyme. But it, it's that's, I mean, you know, uh, it, it, we were obviously talking earlier uh, about why you and I get along. And uh, you and I talk all the time about parenting. And I take for granted um, sometimes what I think a parent is supposed to be. And you tend to chastise me for not taking credit for doing the things that I do. Um, I, I think you and I have a very different, uh, I don't mean you and I, I mean, you and I collectively have a different mindset when it comes to kids talking to kids and parenting. I love that. And I look forward to Jace's poem next week. Oh yeah, uh, green eggs and ham. Sam, I am. There you go. That's a little sneak peek. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all right, that's gonna do it for throw jabs this week. Myself, Big Jace, Joe, and Jared. Make sure you enjoy the fights tonight, and make sure you tune in next week because it's gonna be a big show, big UFC pay per view. Make sure you tune in next Saturday for more throwing jabs. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared Joe and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance, we find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fist of cuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing wave, feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counterpoint. Punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bring in crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry of curtains, from scrub scraps to fight stats, relax if you want the facts. Cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com. 